My name is Lyle McCormick. I work as a private investigator in southern Georgia. I take cases dealing with stolen items, missing people, and everything in between. Three days ago, I got a call from a woman named Clea. It was one of those, I think my husband has been cheating on me, distress calls. I took her information and she agreed to stop by the office that afternoon. Once she arrived, we sat in the nook by the window. Outside, people were hurrying past on the sidewalk, going about their busy day. Clea was in her mid-thirties, short, dark hair in a messy bun. As she sipped her coffee, I took out my notepad and asked her to tell me everything she knew. Her husband Jason had been working later than usual, coming home from the office at odd hours. She was lenient at first, since it wasn't the first time he had to work through crunch to hit his numbers but it soon became an issue when she barely saw him at all. When she did see him, he was acting different. He always seemed to be late for something, talking to himself and unable to sit still. Early that morning, she got up before he did, got dressed and snuck outside. She waited in her car as he got up. Lights stayed off in the house as he left, and he didn't stop to lock the door on his way out. He was walking briskly, with a purpose. As he drove off, she waited a bit before following him. He took a left on the road, instead of right, which would be the way to his office. They went through the industrial park, over the bridge, and into the slums. Row after row of decrepit buildings went past as they went further in. He stopped in front of a house, and she stopped shutting off her lights and keeping a good distance between them. Two women walked out. One was carrying a bag. It was too dark and they were too far away for her to get a good look at them, but she said based on where they were and how they were dressed, she had a pretty good idea of what they did. They got into his car and left. She followed as they went through town and got on the highway until they pulled off on a private drive that barely fit a single vehicle. She kept driving, partly because she didn't want to know for sure what he was doing, and partly because she already knew. She gave me directions and drew a rough map of where the drive was since it was unmarked. She had done her best to retain her composure as she relayed the events to me, but had cracked at the end and was openly sobbing. She already knew that he was cheating, as most of them do when they ask for my help. She only came to me because she couldn't bear the thought of her being the one that catches him, and she needed an external source to confirm it. He hadn't come home yet, and if I could make it over there before late that night, I could find out what was going on. I told her I would find out what I could for her, but she may not like it. She sniffed and nodded before paying me my fee. As sorry as I fell for her, this was still a job, and how I paid the bills. It was just before sunset when I pulled onto the unmarked road flanked by a dense tree line. Clea was right about how narrow it was. Potholes and crumbling edges had to be dodged constantly as I carefully navigated and weaved. I went for a couple of miles without seeing a house or a car that matched Clea's description before seeing the end of the road. 
I was agitated that I had wasted my time going all the way out to nowhere on the wrong road. There was no way I could back out and make it through the maze of disrepair that I had come through. As I was weighing my options, I inched forward and saw a cramped driveway, almost completely hidden by the foliage. I took my chances and went for it. Even if it was nothing, I might have been able to use it to turn around. To my surprise, though, as I turned, a building came into view through the branches. I pulled up further and it opened into a rounded dirt drive. Jason's car was parked in front. I drove around it slowly and back onto the road, pulling the car up just out of sight. I was hoping that they weren't alerted and I could get the drop on them. The building was a double-wide mobile home that had definitely seen better days. It had a slight lean overall. Weeds choked the panels and rickety front steps. The windows were painted from the inside, and the screen door bent and discarded on the ground. A blue tarp covered the doorway, held in place from the inside. I climbed the steps, took out my pocket knife, and cut a large slit into the tarp. I didn't know what I would see inside. Stepping through the tarp, my eyes had to adjust to the dark. I clicked on the flashlight. It was worse than I expected. Far worse. It wasn't a simple case of a cheating husband anymore. I was standing in the living room, the kitchen just beyond it on the left, along with the hallway, and another hallway to my immediate right. It was quiet. No furniture was in the room. Just large black trash bags, stuffed full and scattered everywhere. In the middle of the floor was a cutting board. A large chunk of meat was on it, dripping fluid into a greasy pool on the carpet. It looked fresh. I walked down the hallway to my right as stealthily as I could. There were three doors, one in the middle of the hall and two side by side at the end. They were all open, and as I shined the light down the hall I could see one of the end doors was a bathroom. I approached the middle door cautiously. As I swept the light around the room, I saw piles of clothes and a bare mattress pushed into the corner. It wasn't too hard to imagine what took place in that room. I moved on to the end of the hallway and looked into the next room. There was no furniture or clutter, but pictures lined the walls. I walked inside for a closer look. They were all of different people, standing against the same wall. They all had some kind of deformity, but nothing like I had seen before. One man had bones protruding at odd angles from his arm. One woman had a tree-like growth coming out of her lower back. Another man had his mouth open, and long tendrils were coiled around each other in place of a tongue. Most of the others no longer resembled humans, their features distorted to the point of being unrecognizable. It was too much to take in, and I was getting queasy. I went into the bathroom to catch my breath. I hovered over the sink for a moment before I felt well enough to continue. Just as I entered the hallway, I heard a low popping, crunching noise and a muffled whimper. 
I crept slowly back to the living room and past the kitchen, standing at the beginning of the hallway. I didn't know what they were doing, but I had to find out if Jason was involved. Unlike the other hallway, all of the doors were shut. There was a space that used to be the location of a back door that was haphazardly boarded up. I stuck close to the wall and listened before trying the handle to the middle room. It turned silently to my relief, and I opened the door just enough to get my head through. As I shined the light, I could see shelves lined one of the walls with half-empty water bottles and open boxes of food stockpiled. An old rocking chair was upturned in the corner, and odd bits of newspaper and magazines were laid out in no particular order. I was about to leave when something caught my eye. Part of a bare foot was sticking out from the closet. I held my breath and stepped in. A folding chair was in the otherwise empty closet. A woman was duct taped to it, with her head down, light, ratty hair forming a curtain over her face. I rushed to her and had my hand on her shoulder before I noticed the blood covering her shirt. I gently shook her to wake her, asking in a harsh whisper if she was okay or if she could hear me. I pushed the hair away to look at her face. Her jaw was gone. I backed away quickly. Her head fell forward with a sticky plop sound. I turned away. She was dead. I stumbled back out into the hallway. I should have left then to save myself from what happened next, but there was still another room to check, and if there were other people that needed help, I knew I had to get to them. I gathered myself, held the knife close, and opened the door. A man was sitting with his legs crossed in the middle of the room. Jason. In front of him was another woman, writhing face down on the floor. Her shirt had been removed, and a large gash ran down the length of her back. As I watched, the gash was opening and closing, gurgling, and the flesh around it undulated rhythmically. Jason held out a large chunk of meat over it, and it opened up for him. Inside was lined with rows of jagged teeth, and they went down impossibly far, much farther than that space of her body would allow. He dropped it into the maw, and it devoured it, slurping and sloshing. He looked up to me. We failed, he said. And that was it. He rose to his knees, hunched over, and threw himself in. Suddenly, glass shattered and light streamed into the room. A flaming bottle flew in and hit the wall. I stared at the thing in front of me as more windows were broken around the trailer, and I could hear fire spreading. It was an abomination. It writhed around and shrieked as the fire reached it, tendrils bursting from the skin and flailing wildly. 
the heat on my face finally snapped me out of it, and I turned and ran. Fire was blocking the way back. I could chance running through it, but I knew I wouldn't be able to make it. Smoke was already too thick, and I couldn't stop coughing. My first thought was the bathroom. I opened the door and slammed it behind me, trying to keep as much smoke out as I could. There was a small window above the bathtub. I scrambled to it and threw it open. Not wide enough for me to fit. I hammered the side of my fist into the frame, hoping that it had been weakened with age. It gave way after a few hits and fell outside. I hoisted myself up and squeezed through the hole, scraping my stomach and sides as I pried my body through. I fell into the grass, landing hard. I rolled to my feet and hurried away from the trailer, which was completely engulfed in flames. I rushed to my car and sped away, wanting to put as much distance between myself and that place, that thing, as I could. The road was rough on the car, but I didn't care. I made it to the highway, and as I drove back to town, I could see the smoke billowing up through the trees in the rearview mirror. I felt like I should call it in, but if they put out the fire and save that monster, I didn't want to think about it. No, I thought as I drove on. Let it burn. <laughs>